using the latest of technology, we have um, discovered our first case, not only here in San Francisco, but the entire country. This is cause for concern, but it is also certainly not a cause for us to panic. We are prepared here in the city for this. I'm Cecilia Lay, and this is Fifth Emission. That was San Francisco Mayor Lennon Breed and Health Director Dr. Grant Colfax announcing the first Omicron case in the United States on Wednesday. It was identified in a San Francisco resident who had recently returned from South Africa. It was only a couple of days ago that I spoke to Chronicle Health reporter Aaron Alday to learn more about this new variant and the risks it poses. At the time, she mentioned there was still a lot we don't know about Omicron, including how contagious it is and if it causes more serious illness. That all remains true, but this first case is stressing some important information about our region, including the benefits of responsible personal behavior and the strength of our responsive local testing infrastructure. Aaron is here to tell us more. Aaron, we just chatted earlier this week about the Omicron variant, and you mentioned that experts said it was probably already circulating in the U.S. And now just a couple of days later, here we are. The first case was found in the U.S. on Wednesday, and it was detected in a San Francisco resident. Can you tell me more about how that detection was made? Sure. So basically, this this individual, who is, again, a San Francisco resident, uh, had recently returned just the previous week from South Africa, had flown in to San Francisco International Airport and developed symptoms uh, a few days later. Um, so this was around Thanksgiving that this person first developed symptoms and then got tested a couple days after that. And as soon as this person got the positive test result, which was on Monday, they were very proactive, actually, which is kind of exciting. And this person had been following the news, knew about Omicron, and and contacted the San Francisco Public Health Department as soon as they got that positive test. And that sort of, because of this person's travel history, triggered this whole response that meant that they then prioritized this person for kind of extra testing to then determine if, in fact, the virus that, that they were infected with was Omicron. And then, mm-hmm. you know, very quickly within 48 hours, they they less than 48 hours, actually, they had, in fact, confirmed that it was Omicron. And you mentioned that symptoms have been mild. What do we know about this person's health? Do we know if they were vaccinated? And what has been the exposure risk, especially since they were traveling? Yeah, so those are all really great, important questions. And some of those we're still working out. Um, the, the the simple thing is this person was healthy. We're, we're told they were healthy. We, they, weren't, they aren't telling us anything about this person identity-wise, so we don't know how old they were. We don't know the sex of this person. Um, but we know that they were healthy otherwise, and we know that they were fully vaccinated with two doses of Moderna. They had not mm-hmm. received a booster yet. So that could play out to be, you know, important information at some point down the line. Now it's just Mm -hmm. sort of an interesting thing to note. This, as far as kind of the exposure risk, like that is definitely still being determined. You know, this person wasn't infectious while they were flying. So I don't think that there's really any concern about exposure on the airplane or exposure, you know, at the airport in those locations. They didn't develop symptoms until a few days later. But, you know, there's all of this is really new and fresh. And so the the health department and now in collaboration with the state and with the CDC, they are right now at this moment working to determine, you know, who was a close contact of this person who might have been exposed to the virus um, and then reaching out to all of those people to see, you know, how they're feeling. If they have symptoms, they may be asked asking all of those people to get tested, even if they're asymptomatic, just because this is so new and we want to kind of collect as much data as we can. But at this point, you know, we don't have a sense that this person was like 
out and about, you know, at some club, right? Like exposing mm-hmm. like a lot of people, like doing anything that that there is like a heightened uh, threat to the to to the public. So I've asked a lot of people about that repeatedly, and you know, they they're not quite ready to say that there's going to be no spread from this individual and that there won't be any community spread. But we're not looking probably at like a super spreader event, to put it that way. So it sounds like this person did all the right things, was really responsible. They got tested, alerted the city's public health officials. So what does this, you know, emphasize and reiterate about the best practices when it comes to traveling or other kinds of risky public activities that we're engaging in right now in light of this new variant? Yeah, I mean, I think it does show us this is sort of how this should play out. Um, this mm-hmm. is kind of how we want to see these things happen is we want to have a very I mean, this is part of why we do the reporting we do. We want to have a very well-informed public, you know, people who know what's going on, um, people who have the sort of right level of concern about something like this. So the fact that this individual, you know, knew coming back from a region where there was potentially a variant spreading, that they knew to be kind of on the alert for symptoms, that they did get tested, you know, relatively quickly. There was kind of, you know, a few days they had symptoms for a couple of days before they got tested. And it's not clear why they didn't. This is not, you know, a a judgment on that individual. It may be that, you know, they had a scratchy throat and didn't think much of it until a day or two later when they also developed a cough. Right. Like we all know what it feels like to get sick. You don't necessarily recognize the symptoms right out of the gate as a problem. But, you know, yeah, this person was very aware. They got tested right away. Um, You know, it's just all of sort of our infrastructure that's in place to kind of quickly identify these cases and then isolate and do that contact tracing uh, they all seem to be working. Um, you know, mm-hmm. there's a lot that, you know, remains to be seen. Um, we'll see, you know, are there any other cases that spread out from this one? Um, we don't know. Um, there's a lot we don't know, obviously, with Omicron about how how transmissible it is, right? Like, if it is a lot more infectious than, say, Delta, then it may be our current definition of a close contact, right? Like, who might have been exposed by this person? That definition may change, So we may Mm -hmm. find that, you know, more people were exposed than we thought. Um, But that's, you know, that's all completely just, you know, speculation at this point. We, We don't really know. Those are all things we're working out. Right. And and speaking about just the infrastructure of detection and testing, you know, it might alarm some people that the first U.S. case was here in the Bay Area. But the fact that it was detected here, is that just sort of a measure of how aggressive our local testing abilities are? And should residents maybe feel good about that and maybe not alarm that there's some spread or local outbreak? Yeah, I mean, that's my takeaway for sure. And, you know, I actually asked public health folks exactly that question. And they were, you know, f- actually fairly humble about it. They they were like, you know, look, we're we're the Bay Area. We're going to be a hub of, in- of international activity. So it's possible this is just where the first case happened to arrive in the United States. And it's not anything necessarily to do with our surveillance. But this is just where that that first case landed. But they do acknowledge. And, and I think it's you can't deny the fact that, yeah, we have a really kind of robust testing and surveillance program. And especially when it comes to this sequencing, this kind of high-tech sequencing, we have a lot of that in the Bay Area, at UCSF, at Stanford, at UC Berkeley. Um, and so, you know, it's it's definitely not the norm in a lot of parts of the country that they would, we would be able to get this rapid of a turnaround to be able to get you know, this person identified so quickly and get this result returned so quickly. So, yeah, I do. And I do take take comfort from that. Like, to me, that is mm-hmm. reassuring that we identified this case so quickly right here in, in the community. We'll be right back. 
You can support Fifth Emission and the newsroom that creates it by signing up for full digital access. And right now, you can get 26 weeks for just 99 cents total. Go to sfchronicle.com slash pod or download the San Francisco Chronicle app. In our last conversation just earlier this week, you urged folks to stay calm. That's also what we've been hearing from government officials, public health officials. And you you said that we should feel confident about our existing protective measures and, of course, the vaccine and the latest boosters. Does that all still hold? Are there any new main concerns as of yet? No, I do think that all still holds. This one case doesn't change anything. Um, you know, we're still collecting information on what Omicron means. The one thing I thought was interesting is the fact that this person was double vaccinated with Moderna. Moderna has kind of, you know, shown to hold up a little bit better than Pfizer in terms of preventing breakthrough infections. Um, But, you know, this is all so new. And Pfizer, honestly, we just have a lot more information on because there's just a a lot more Pfizer out in the world. I mean, all of Israel is vaccinated with Pfizer. Pfizer is the dominant vaccine used in the United States. So the fact that, you know... This is happening with Moderna may mean something, may not. I mean, it was definitely something that, you know, I saw a few kind of eyebrows raised. Um, I think it's something that it certainly is a question people will be pursuing. You know, does that does that mean anything as as far as how Omicron is, is working against the vaccines? But, you know, otherwise, you know, I mean, certainly the fact that this person has a mild infection should be reassuring. Um, and it doesn't for me and I don't think it should for anybody else change how we think about, you know, all of the protective measures that we're already currently using. And what is the likelihood of Omicron taking Delta's spot as the dominant coronavirus variant? And do we have enough information to compare them in terms of mutations and the different risk factors they pose? We have plenty of information to compare them as far as mutations. Like we can definitely look just at the 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 genomic kind of sequence of both of these variants and compare them side to side and say, yeah, Omicron has a lot more mutations than Delta does. Um, but what that means, we just can't say yet. You know, a lot more mutations doesn't necessarily mean that it's more infectious, that it's going to evade the vaccines more, that it's going to cause more, more serious disease or less serious disease for that matter. Um, mutations are just, it's sort of like looking at our own DNA and then trying to figure out, you know, how that might translate into our personality or our behavior, right? There's so many other factors at play, and it could be that some of these mutations don't mean anything. They just sort of are along for the ride, as one as one scientist recently put it to me. And as far as Omicron, if it can replace, supplant Delta, we just don't know. Um, you know, the fact that it moves so quickly through South Africa is certainly concerning, but South Africa doesn't have our vaccination rates. Um, Mm -hmm. So I don't it's hard to say how much room there is for an Omicron to maneuver um, in our very highly populated vaccination with, you know, against a very infectious variant that's already here. We don't know yet how vaccines will hold up against this variant, but do vaccine manufacturers, are they able to sort of adapt to uh, coronavirus as it continues to you know, develop new variants and mutations? Is that something that we can sort of trust that the science will be able to be adaptable to? Yes, the mRNA vaccines in particular, the ones made by Pfizer and Moderna, are actually designed to be very quickly updated. Um, Mm -hmm. I think they say that they can get out a brand new vaccine adjusted to a variant within about 100 days. Um, Mm -hmm. And both of I believe both of them are already looking at that with Omicron and they already and they were looking at it to a degree with Delta also. 
Um, mm-hmm. They haven't, you know, put out something for Delta because Delta hasn't proven to be a real problem in terms of vaccine effectiveness. But yeah, this is already a process they've started. So I think they're kind of prepared to get a new vaccine out there if it's needed. Nobody I talked to is concerned that if Omicron, even if it is showing some resistance to vaccines, to our immunity, it's not going to be like a black or white situation. It's not like it's going to just beat them back entirely and our vaccines are useless. Um, Being fully vaccinated, no matter what, is going to offer probably a great deal of protection against this variant. Um, And I certainly feel very confident about that. And especially as somebody who's boosted, I feel confident about that. Mm -hmm. So as of now, the consistent messaging is you know, stay calm. There's still a lot that we don't know. But is it safe to say that we should just practice more caution until we know more, maybe test more often if we know we're going to be in risky situations, wear those masks indoors, uh, understand the vaccination status of everyone? We should just continue maybe even with a little more caution. I would say it's more along the lines of if you've been relaxing a little bit and maybe getting a little sloppy with, you know, your mask usage, um, you know, maybe you've been doing things that are a little bit on the riskier side. I might, you know, take a second second look at that. But no, I mean, on the whole, I don't think this the appearance of this at this stage warrants, you know, an, a, a step up in people's level of, of caution. That's not what I'm hearing from folks. Um, that's not mm-hmm. what sort of, you know, the regular kind of experts I talk to. They're just saying like, you know, we know what to do, you know, and especially if you've already, if you if you haven't gotten a booster, I would not be waiting on that. I would definitely be mm-hmm. getting right on top of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but assuming that, you know, you're fully vaccinated and have a booster, yeah, just stick with, you know, stick with what we know. And I think even on Wednesday, we had our health officer saying, People should get together for the holidays. They're looking forward to getting together with their families for the holidays, too. So this shouldn't change those plans. We should be prepared to, you know, spend time with people that we love and do the things that that we enjoy and kind of live our lives as best we can with these precautions in place. That does provide some measure of comfort. Erin, I know any new COVID updates keeps you super busy in our newsroom. Thanks for taking the time to chat with me. Of course. Erin Alday covers health for the San Francisco Chronicle. Her story about the first Omicron case in the U.S., as well as her other COVID reporting, is online now at sfchronicle.com and on the Chronicle app. Thanks to King Kaufman for producing this episode, and thanks to you for listening. <laughs> 